The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Media Talk. My name is producer Matt Hill. John is away today. That's not the reason it's special though. Today we're discussing the autumn schedules, previewing the shows that have caught the collective eye of our panel. So prepare yourself for first looks at Masters of Sex, The Tunnel, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some wild speculation on Breaking Bad prequel Better Call Saul. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And I'm joined by TV and radio editor Rebecca Nicholson and Guardian TV critic Tom Meltzer. Welcome to you both. Hello. Exciting Hello. times. This is your first debut on the pod, is it not, Tom? It's my first debut on this podcast or any other. Well, it's my debut as well. That's right. kind of exciting. I wow. feel like I should be running things here if, as a seasoned pro. You're the of, veteran. Of yeah. maybe 10 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. I think That's that makes fine. you a veteran. Absolutely. So we're here to talk television, autumn uh, schedules, or schedules. It depends. I'm going to do. Go I for never some consistency. know. I never know. Tom, what's your preferred? I think scheduling just sounds tougher. Yeah, yeah, I think I go for a hard C as well. So we'll go channel by channel. Yep. Broadcaster by broadcaster, and uh, we'll play some clips in as we go. Uh, but let's start with the BBC, and in particular, BBC One uh, normally has a fancy uh, launch trailer. Had a little bit of controversy this year. They did. They did their autumn drama launch trailer. I had a few critics because it didn't really feature any women. And the BBC responded to this by saying that it was the first of many trailers and that this had a certain slant and that there would be others that put women at the at the centre of the action. But as one of my friends said on Twitter, there's a prostitute, a singer and a dead body. What more could you want? <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like they're going man-heavy. So, quirk is one of their big things. It's um, Gabriel Byrne is starring as a 1960s pathologist in Dublin who goes and investigates crimes on the sly. It looks great. It looks noirish and moody. Can I just ask, Tom? I know this is your first one, but that's the least subtle use of the mobile phone. (laughs) Normally behind that panel over there, I'd be going mad right now, but I can't. I have to maintain an even tone. Yeah, no, that was literally me turning the sound off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. Sorry. Um, well, let's, uh, let's, this is all going to make it in, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, so, uh, with that in mind, uh, let's hear a clip. What do you want, Quirk? I want to know what happened to Dolly Moore. I should imagine I know less about it than you. I'm not the one going around poking my nose into places where it's liable to get cut off. Are you threatening your own brother now? You're not my brother. Look. All I know is that I told you that Dolly Moore kept a written record of all the things with Christine Falls. And the next night she's been tortured and her skull has been smashed in. Now tell me these things are not connected and that you're not up to your neck in it. I know nothing about it. And if you're not prepared to go to the police and tell the truth, then I will. What about returning serials for BBC One? We've got Last Tango in Halifax. That's making a come back it is, is yeah the very popular last tango in Halifax yeah. yeah that's coming back that is due later on this year another another series second series for the Sally Waymite drama that walked away with a BAFTA um very popular Derek Jacobi and Anne Reid as a, an older couple who find love 
in Halifax. Your predecessor. Yes. Uh, Vicky Frost. She was a big fan. A uh, huge fan, in fact. So yeah. I think she'll be happy. She'll be very pleased. I haven't actually seen it. Am I allowed to admit that? Well, no, that's fine. You can be looking forward to it like the rest of us. Well, I'm thinking about watching the first series. It got such good reviews. And I trust Vicky Frost's taste in telly stuff. And Tom, what are you looking forward to on BBC channels? Atlantis looks like the kind of big, high-budget, you know, must-see new Merlin type thing. It looks like Game of Thrones, as in the trailer is almost note-for-note, shot-for-shot, shots from Game of Thrones. (laughs) I'm not sure about the world of it, though. I'm worried that uh, the sort of hodgepodge mythology of it's sort of ancient Greece, but also there's Pythagoras and Hercules and... It doesn't really add up for me. And I'm worried that unlike Merlin, where it's like Arthurian legend, you know what you're getting. There will be dragons, there'll be wizards. You know, there won't be too many just meaningless weird things from God knows where. This, I'm scared it's just going to be every week. Oh, what are they going to invent now? You know, what have they got? Now there's this, now there's that. It doesn't feel to me like it has the depth of a Game of Thrones. I'm curious. I'm excited to see if it works, but I suspect it maybe doesn't. I'm quite optimistic about this one. It, it sort of looks like it's going to be good Saturday night fun. Mm. And I, I think if it's aware of its silliness, which I suspect that it might be, then it could be a, a good laugh. I don't know if you remember Sinbad that was on um, Sky One a few months, um, maybe a couple of years ago now, actually. It kind of looks like what Sinbad should have been, uh, which was a bit more silly so fingers crossed for this one and of course the ultimate returning series uh, for the BBC Doctor Who has its 50th anniversary Doctor show Doctor there's Who. lots going on for Doctor Who's 50th um, there's the the episode the, the kind of big episode the day of the Doctor which David Tennant John Hurt Matt Smith Billy Piper they're all back I sort of got very confused at the end of the last Doctor Who episode when John Hurt emerged from that weird thing and said that strange thing as a non-diehard Doctor Who fan, I find all of that stuff a bit confusing. I haven't got a clue what's going on. But I'm excited to see David Tennant back. And, yes, you know, yes. Yeah. Are, you a, are you a Doctor Who fan? I am a Doctor Who fan. Did I you was, understand what was going on? I was similarly baffled by the... Oh, okay. wo- That's a relief. Yeah, it was the appearance of the words on the screen with John Hurt as the Doctor. Right. It sort of suggested the whole thing had got very meta. <laughs> you know, it just didn't... Too meta. Also, I might be being a lazy viewer, but I do like it when I can follow what's going on because I'm not diehard. But at the same time, you can't argue with this cast and there's been a lot of excitement for it, so hopefully it will be good. Yeah, we have spoken quite a bit about Doctor Who uh, over, over the last few months in this anniversary special. Is there any chance that it might just be a little bit too overhyped? I think certainly there is. And I think the show to launch Peter Capaldi as the new Doctor was a, maybe a step too far in terms of mm. Doctor Who is so big and it's so important that you can no longer watch it without thinking, oh, and here's the person they cast as Doctor Who, and it's John Hurt, his name appears you know, on the screen, literally like in the drama. Uh, let's move on to another broadcaster somewhere else. Let's go to, looking at my Rolodex of channels, let's go for ITV. It's just like we're flicking through the channels in order. That's right, yeah. that would have been a better metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the big news, Downton's back. Yay! Yeah, I know, that's a delayed delayed reaction reaction there. I was expecting a little bit more um, (laughs) love in the room. Season or series four, lots of people have died. It just got so silly. And I, it was kind of silly to start with. I don't know if you, how far you got. Not a dancing viewer. I gave up almost immediately. (laughs) It's just, I think I'm not the demographic. I think that's... 
but everyone should be the demographic. That's the thing. And I thought for the first series, it it worked in that way mm. that, you know, I liked it, my mum liked it. It was that kind of thing where everyone w- would watch it together, but it got so daft. And then they killed off two of the main characters last time around, probably arguably the main character last time around in a quite cruel and uh, unexpected way. And so now I don't know where it can go. The idea is that it's going to go back to more se- series one than than its last two things. That's what they've said. Back to basics. Back to basics, just back to making a bit more sense and being a bit less preposterous. But I wonder if that's even possible anymore. But Paul Giamatti is joining the cast. A black yes, a jazz of, musician yeah. is uh, appearing on the show. So maybe, maybe they're trying to modernise in some sort of way. Paul Giamatti kind of feels like it, it's gearing towards uh, the acknowledging the American audience. But then we had Shirley MacLaine last time around, True. so there is an American uh, family in it. So I think that's that's always been there. And I do wonder, uh, he's not a huge name, is he, to get for the American market? Uh, well, only within a particular community, I suspect. Yeah. He is the doyen of like indie films, isn't he? I know, so. but it's a weird... That's and why historical dramas weird. as well. He did the... Um, John Adams, was it? The... Oh, he did, didn't he? Mm, All right, yeah. I take it back, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good luck with it. Broadchurch is back. Again, how do you do a second series of Broadchurch? Will it have the same characters? Will it end up being like Prime Suspect, in a way? Or even like The Killing, which uh, there is an argument to be made that it kind of went off the boil a little bit. I enjoyed, I'm, I did enjoy series two and series three of The Killing, but it was nowhere near as good as the kind of self-contained, like, complete story that was... I think the problem is that by the end of the first series, every character's every secret has been revealed. Exactly. And that's what the whole show is about, is getting to know all these characters. And if you tell a complete story in series one where you fully get to know each character, what's left to do with any of them in Unless two? they do a prequel, like... Better Call Saul, which again I'm trying to talk about before yeah. before it's time. <laughs> we'll tease that out until the end, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Tom from, from ITV, is there anything you're looking forward to entertainment-wise? Not entertainment-wise per se. There's a drama I'm curious about, which is Breathless, um, which is about a group of gynaecologists in the '60s, uh, starring Jack Davenport, who we haven't seen for a quite a while. No, am I right in thinking? Coupling, coupling, exactly. Now, coupling's maybe 10 years old now, more. Sure. Probably much more than 10 years old. Um, but he's in the lead role. And then in supporting roles, you have uh, Joanna Page, Sarah Parrish, and Ian Glenn of Game of Thrones. And they're all, yeah, gynaecologists in the 60s. So someone said, what's popular on BBC called The Midwife? <laughs> uh, what's popular with sort of, you know, Guardian readers, Mad Men? <laughs> what, you know, what can we do? Can we put literally one with what, the other? One word. Gynecology. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What's popular with everyone's sex? Retro so, gynecology. Yeah. Nurse Wilson. Sir. You've been warned to be cautious around doctors. Mr. Powell, whatever you may think, what I found myself involved in last night was not only illegal. Oh, forget it. It never happened. That patient had made a mistake. I can help. The law. It makes miserable lives and miserable women, whoever they are. As easy as that. I didn't say it was easy, but it's what I believe. Look, at least take the money you earned. Dr. Enderbury's never at his best agitated. Good afternoon, Mr. Powell. If we can move on to Channel 4. I think that would be a lovely link. Actually, a nice link. But um, Channel 4 have acquired Showtime's Masters of Sex, which is a similarly period-based... It's like Mad Men, but with more sex, which I didn't know 
was possible, but I suspect that it might be. I feel like we should move on slightly from the it's like mad men kind of comparison. Is there like another term that can be used for just basically it's set in the 50s and it looks nice? It's like the hour. (laughs) 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 Maybe not then. But clearly this is happening because it's, you know, I wonder how many kind of drug-based dramas we're going to see that come out and say oh we're nothing like breaking bad but we're about cooking something else <laughs> in the mm. desert yeah something else druggy in the desert but the difference is you know with breaking bad there was already weeds for example there yeah. were already shows kind of doing the same thing but it feels like all of these retro shows really seem to owe a debt to Mad Men. yeah you'd struggle to say there was something before Mad Men that sort of made that viable i think in terms of using that 50s 60s setting Well, let's have a little listen to Masters of Sex. Why would a woman fake an orgasm? Usually so the woman could get back to whatever it is she'd rather be doing. If you really want to learn about sex, then you're going to have to get yourself a female partner. There are libraries on how babies are born and not a single study on how babies are made. Dr. Masters, we haven't yet met. Are you here to interview? Can you squeeze me in now? What else is coming up on Channel 4? Channel 4 is ploughing through the acquisitions this time around. And they've made some really good ones. Obviously, I loved The Returned. That is coming back, but not until the end of next year, because the French are taking their time with making it, which seems very Gallic to me, to just, yeah, we have a success. We are going to take our time. That was my... (laughs) (laughs) Not bad, not bad. But they've also bought Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Joss Whedon's new uh, Marvel superhero-based drama which I saw at a secret preview screening a couple of weeks ago and I just really liked it it's very much it's going out at eight o'clock so it's not a kind of late night heavy thing at all it's quite light it's quite fun I am a big fan of Joss Whedon dialogue that kind of slightly snarky knowing so he has he has written it he has exec produced it but there are lines in there that are quite clearly Whedon-esque, if not from his actual pen. Agent Coulson is back in it, that's a thing. And um, for fans of the Avengers, this is a big deal because he is essentially killed off in the movie. So they have to work in a way of him coming back. And they sort of do that in a very funny way, in a very knowing way. So, What does S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for, Agent Ward? Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. And what does that mean to you? I mean, someone really wanted our initials to spell out S.H.I.E.L.D. It would have gone out at six o'clock and you would come back from school and you'd watch it and it was brilliant. So almost like Buffy was when it was first on TV, it was that kind of time slot. And so I wouldn't expect a grown-up drama from it, but if you accept it for what it is, which is a really, really good, fun thing, then you won't be disappointed. Joss Whedon doesn't really put a foot wrong. The only thing you'd ever point to would probably be Dollhouse. And, you know, I think Dollhouse... If you stuck with it because you're as much of a sort of raging fanboy as I was, I think it found its feet and it it was good. It was a shame it got cancelled. So that's the thing I'm most excited about, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Apart from that, the return of Homeland, I suppose, is exciting. Um, (laughs) Although you haven't sold it (laughs) as such right there. It's all right. I suppose it's coming back. It did get a little ridiculous in season two. It did, but I, I think you can so quickly forgive it for all of that. I spent most of season two going, oh, it's got so ridiculous. It's, so, it's gone over the top. It's, it's, you know, it's jumped the shark. And then as soon as I saw the trailer for series three, I knew that I would be right back there watching it every week, really kind of picking it apart. In fact, professionally, because I suspect I will be doing the series blog again for the website. But even so, I would be there watching it. 
People will say that I was turned into a terrorist, taught to hate my country. I love my country. What if I told you I don't think he did it? I don't think Brody knew the bomb was in his car. He's innocent. I won't throw Carrie under the bus. She's unstable. But I'm on her side. I'll do anything. And Tom, Channel 4. One possibility, and it, and it could be good and it could be awful, is the new Greg Davies sitcom. Uh, this, I think it's called Man Down. It's definitely called Man Down. I know it's called Man Down, the new Greg Davies sitcom. Greg Davies is obviously a sort of breakout star from The Inbetweeners, and The Inbetweeners movie was the biggest comedy film ever, I think, in the UK. So, you know, if that works, if that takes off, if that can bring The Inbetweeners audience to Channel 4, if it can reach an older audience as well, because it's about you know, a man in his 40s, uh, if they get a hit sitcom out of that, I think that would be fantastic for them. And that is, you know, sitcoms a place where you get a lot of viewers if you get it right. And Rebecca, I believe you saw this in Edinburgh this year. I saw it in Edinburgh at the TV festival. Second go, I thought I'd get it right. Yeah, I, I do wonder, I think it's impossible to judge these things from the first episode. We've talked about this before, how sitcoms especially take a bit of time to bed in. I thought it was funny... It's very bottom-like in its humour. It's there's a lot of kind of grossness, and it's very daft and slapstick. And I do wonder if it will reach that in between as audience. I'm not entirely sure that it will. There's a chance that it could, but I'm not massively convinced. Although Rick Mail is in it as his dad, and he's and very, that's just very perfect, funny. isn't it? Perfect, that's a because perfect they look casting. so alike. It, you see them on screen, and you just think. Obviously. In his stand-up, he used to joke that he looked like a fat Rick Mail. <laughs> so it's free. But now he looks like the sport. He is playing the spawn of Rick Mail. We're working our way through the, uh, the, the remote control. So UK TV, have you got anything on UK TV? Do you know about this? You're, yeah. All I know, all I know is... Um, that, you're holding um, your, you're your hands up I am. I'm putting my hands up on All this. I know. <laughs> well, we had Dave Gorman on uh, the pod uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he was talking about uh, his new show for uh, for UK TV. Which I've seen. Yeah. Then there's also Ross Noble. You can see they're kind of picking um, quite, you know, sort of touring stand-up comics who haven't quite fitted on other channels perfectly before and giving them real creative license. And Ross Noble, um, I was listening to a, a, I'm not going to say a rival podcast, but certainly a, a complimentary one by broadcast. And they were talking about uh, Ross Noble's uh, adventures. And he was, they were saying basically that he improvises around the country he go he's given uh, a challenge off twitter and then uh, he goes off and does this challenge and in production terms a nightmare to create mm. because the film crew are there with him when he receives the, the twitter the tweet <laughs> and then uh, and then they get on the train they go to newcastle they do this thing uh, and it's all done relatively not in real time but in chronological order there's not really a you know it's very production heavy right let's have a look at some tweets then come to Cape Philly Castle come and visit the Isle of Wight come to Northern Ireland come back to Cramlington that's my hometown do you fancy coming to Hull for the Admiral's Ball end of May get dressed up like a sailor and meet the mayor I always get slightly worried when somebody invites you to dress like a sailor there's about five different middles of the country. The very centre of Britain is a quaint little village called Meridian. The centre of Britain is Holt Whistle between Carlisle and Newcastle. That's a great idea. Let's start in the middle of the country. And the nearest one is uh, Weedon. Right, let's start our journey at Weedon, which is the nearest centre of the country to where I am now. Let's go. 
saw it. Are we going to have to do this every time I take off on the bike? Yeah. I think Ross Noble is one of the few people that could potentially pull this off because there's a lot about that 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 rings the alarms. You know, when when broadcasters try to harness Twitter, I always find it slightly embarrassing. So that element makes me a bit. It may not even be it. exclusively Twitter. But Ross Noble is so good at just turning you know a small thing into a huge kind of everything in his mind seems to spin off in a particularly unique way. If if anyone could managed to update Challenge Annika for UK TV, then it, yeah, it's Ross Noble. That's a weird sentence. <laughs> Someone's needed to update Challenge Annika for a long, long time. And people have tried, they try again and again every year. I wonder how Annika Rice feels about this. Do you think she's sitting at home saying, I can't believe they've replaced me with Ross Noble? I don't think it's a direct no, I format. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's more just the energy knows. of, OK, guys, let's go. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I think Ross Noble is. It's is like he's in doing. the room. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Okay, Sky. Sky. A lot of stuff on Sky. Very, very busy. So, uh, Mr. John Plunkett believes, or at least did that test to prove that uh, it's not quite clear exactly what channel a show is running on on Sky. You've got your British comedy on Atlantic and you all sorts. So, uh, let's go through the channels. What have we got? Yeah, so Sky Living sounds like it should be the lifestyle channel. It sounds like it should be the sort of net curtains and sort of peaches channel that's my image of what, <laughs> what lifestyle is i really like that peaches feature in there. <laughs> i have a, i really revere peaches from afar <laughs> i see them as a symbol of a, a different and better life um but yeah that's how i imagine sky living but when you look at the shows it's actually bringing in this year i mean the blacklist is i mean it's not sky living it's sky killing the blacklist is like full-on probably 10 people plus will die in every episode ouch it looks great. It looks like a lot of fun, but it it doesn't seem to me like a natural Sky Living show. And I think that problem is true for all of the Sky channels. I think Sky Atlantic, likewise, doesn't often doesn't feel particularly Atlantic. They've got the Tunnel, um, which is an English French production, which is yeah should I, be on the channel Sky Channel. Yeah. <laughs> but Sky Living, the reason that they're putting things like the blacklist on and the reason that they had Hannibal last time is because female viewers like crime. And Sky Living's always been more female slanted in a way that you would say Dave has been more male slanted. But yeah, women really like crime dramas. So Hannibal found a home on Sky Living. The blacklist, which is James Spader playing this kind of uber traitor who then comes back and helps the US government track down villains, which again, I've seen... And is really good fun. It's not quite as brilliant as I hoped it would be with that concept, partly because the character of the female FBI agent who is kind of his Clarice Starling, if if you will, or like the kind of the carry to his to his Brody, is fairly ropey. You really want her to be a kind of strong female character and I, I wonder if it is if it's the acting or if it's miscast or there's something about it, she's not quite strong enough. But it was just the pilot, so again, I'm optimistic. The concept is so great, I'm hoping she kind of beds in mm. and it gets better. But it's so much fun, and it's network in, in the US as well, so it has that kind of standalone episode feel where you're not, you're not following a long 13, 14 episode story arc. Everything is sort of wrapped up by episode by episode in a way that The Good Wife is, or CSI or something like that. So it's really good fun. I really enjoyed it. Within the hour, Ronko Zamani will abduct the daughter of U.S. General Daniel Riker. There'll be some kind of diversion, communications will be scrambled, 
and he'll grab the girl. He wants to be out of the country within 36 hours. If you don't move quickly, she will die. That's what I know. And how do you know this? Because I'm the one who got him into the country. And I'm supposed to believe you? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> I'm a criminal. Criminals are notorious liars. And in terms of new commissions on Sky, what are we talking? Well, Tom already brought up the tunnel, but uh, we should maybe talk a little bit more about that because obviously we are the Guardian and we yes. loved we loved mm-hmm. the bridge as we love all Scandinois. This is the Anglo-French version and it's Clemence Posey and Stephen Delane as the uh, detectives from either side of the Euro tunnel. So Clemence this time, Posey was in Birdsong. And Harry right? Potter. And Harry Potter. And yeah. in Bruges. And in Bruges, yes. yes. So she plays the um, Saga Noren character, the slightly socially inept um, French detective. And it's interesting, I went to a screening of it last night and they, in the Q&A they said, why did you make her French and him English? And they said actually the idea of um, the English detective being kind of uptight and repressed and socially awkward was a fa- is a fairly <laughs> traditional thing and we wanted to flip that on its head. So now the English detective is very kind of laid back and uh, she's the one who's very uptight. But it worked very well, surprisingly so. I thought it was very good. And the thing that it... There are two elements that I thought were particularly different to the Swedish-Danish bridge. Uh, one is that this the politics are obviously different and there's a lot about immigration. It's set between Calais and, and Dover, so there's a lot about immigration and you've got politicians on the far right who, uh, you know, are kind of talking about this stuff and a lot of the characters are kind of involved in this world, which is really interesting. Um, and the second is that I just loved the humour, which I couldn't pick up on in the bridge, between the Danish and Swedish cultural differences. Like, I'm not a huge expert in Swedish or Danish, so a lot of that humour went over my head. But when it's the French and English talking about cultural differences, you get where they're poking fun at people, and it, it just worked Really well. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. I thought it was a really great first episode. She's been placed. Her posture. Yes. And the legs are... Her head is in France and she's French, so it remains a French investigation. Steady on, Joan. I'm not looking for a war over it. (laughs) My name is not Joan. And when does that come out? October. October. Okay. So away from the broadcasters, uh, looking at more Netflix-y style services, the prequel to Breaking Bad... That's coming out next year. Tell us about that. <laughs> what do we know? That's really horrible. I just was looking at you. <laughs> so it's like waiting for the moment yeah. to step in. Any of these will do. Now. So Better Call Saul is a Breaking Bad prequel focusing on Saul Goodman, played by the brilliant Bob Odenkirk. It's set a few years before the events of Breaking Bad. Uh, I think it's a few years. One of the big facts about it, it being a prequel is that it doesn't tell us whether or not Saul survives uh, the remaining episodes of Breaking Bad or the remaining episode of Breaking Bad. As, depending on when this goes out, absolutely. And one of the things I'm most excited about from it is that uh, the character of Mike may well return because um, he was an absolutely breakout character uh, from the show. What I love about him in particular is that Vince Gilligan has revealed that the only reason he even exists uh, is because Bob Odenkirk wasn't available for filming one day. And so they had to write in someone who came and was an agent of Saul. 
and they got this guy Mike they realised the actor was fantastic um, they realised they could do a lot with the character and he became you know one of the I think he's one of my sort of top five top three characters even um, in a show where just about every character is fantastic. Wait, so who are your other two? Yes. Oh, God. Well, Walt, obviously. I think anyone who said, oh, I don't really like Walt, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they'd be, they really struggle to explain why they watched the show. Yeah. Jesse, I think, is really interesting. I hate, as does the rest of the world, Walter Jr. I mean, all he does is eat breakfast. Everyone knows that. <laughs> um, I love, I've forgotten his name, but um, Saul's Bodyguard. Yes. But he's just great. Um, I really like the actor and uh, I think he's very funny. Breaking Bad has always been quite funny in parts and you always forget that with all of the um, mm. all of the stuff. So in a way, I hope that Better Call Saul goes back to that humour because Saul has always provided a bit of comic relief. Absolutely. And I think Bob Odenkirk's background is, I think he was in Mr. Show, the sketch show. He's a sort of improviser. So I think we can expect Big on The Simpsons as well, wasn't he? Oh, really? Yeah, was big, he? lots of stuff on The Simpsons. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. a good fact, I didn't know that. Mm, mm. Yeah. So I, I think we're getting something almost closer to a sitcom. I think we'll get a proper, <laughs> a proper comedy drama. Well, that'd be weird then, seeing some of these characters from Breaking Bad, because there'll, there'll be some sort of like little hints of the future, won't there? There'll be some of that. Mm. Uh, so who, who would you like stuff, to see, uh, Rebecca, in, in the prequel? Who would you like to bring, bring well, back? Um, I'm trying to think who it would be possible it's to bring back. Just occurred to me, obviously Gus Fring. Gus, Gus Fring, Fring come back. could come back. Jane could come back. Yeah, that she would be was, bold. She was into the drugs before she was clean and then got back into them again. True. So that could maybe Saul could be her lawyer. Yeah, that's certainly true. That's certainly true. And that actress is in Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which has been cancelled now. Um, so she's free mercifully cancelled I I loved that show what it was so funny I think she's a fantastic actress and a great comic actress but that show in terms of what it was saying if anything just didn't work for me at all it didn't seem to be about anything it was about James Van Der Beek (laughs) right Well, on uh, on that note, um, and that let's end it on Dawson's Creek. Let's Why end not? Contemporary Dawson's reference. Creek. Yeah, that's right. As we look forward to the future programmes of tomorrow, <laughs> let's have one last look back at Dawson's Creek. Well, uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, thanks to Rebecca Nicholson and Mr. Tom Meltzer. I've started saying the Mister thing. I think it's just I like. I could feel sassy. John Plunkett under my, over my shoulder. Uh, Media Talk is produced by me. Uh, thanks for listening. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN. 